From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Welcome to the IFN Podcast. I'm Nisreen, your host today. Joining me in this episode is Nick Hoitzenroder, the CEO of Haven Wealth, an ethical and Sharia-compliant investment company based in Australia. In December 2021, the company announced its plan to launch Australia's first sukuk fund and first takaful product. So how has things been, um, Nick? It's been a year, I think, since we last talked. I think end of 2021 is when we first talked about plans for sukuk. Uh, it's it's been going well actually. It's um what's been interesting, I guess, is exploring where the investment product gaps are in mm-hmm. the market, and that's not just for the Muslim community, but also mm-hmm. investors more broadly, who are segmented by the specific needs that they have. What what we seek to do is, I mean, as far as an operational efficiency uh, initiative, we want to make sure that no effort is single use. So when and where possible, we want to make sure that a product has multiple applications or can satisfy the, I guess, the niche requirements of, of different groups. So what we've looked to do is take not only the the in- ethical income fund, the Sukuk, but and launch it as such, but we're also looking to launch it as a, an ethical income product in its own right, uh, as well as pitch it as more of a conventional income product where it can stand shoulder to shoulder with other income products of, of similar nature. And we don't even need to, to, I guess, come out and beat our chests and say that it is Sharia certified. So what, what has been interesting in the last 12 months, how we can take the learnings from other products and goods and services that are out there in the market, not necessarily financial products, uh, most, mostly consumables and food, um, Krispy Kreme donuts is a perfect example, uh, and that one has some relevance to one of the original uh, pitch meetings for Capital that I had many years ago. Okay, uh, I was sitting around a boardroom table of uh, a group of investors, none of whom were Muslim, and I had Krispy Kreme donuts laid out on the table. and And as I explained the types of products we're going to build, some found uh, the Islamic approach or or halal certification a little bit polarizing. And I brought to their attention that the Krispy Kreme donuts in front of them were also halal, much to their surprise. Mm. Uh, so it is possible to have a, a Sharia certified or halal product that is for conventional use and conventional consumption. Um, you just don't see these products boldly labelled as such. So applying those learnings and trying to find the right structure, the right assets to put inside the product has been interesting and it's it's taken a bit longer than I thought it would uh, only because it's the sort of thing you don't really get two two goes at you want to get it right the first time um, but it has been a really good experience I've got to say well uh, I wanted to go a little bit more into the Sukuk fund that you have planned maybe you could talk to us more about the strategy of it what are you looking at what's going to be in the portfolio is that something you can speak on uh, it is in part. There are some things that I obviously can't talk about, sort of, I guess, the secret source. But the we looked at conventional income products to see how they're structured. Now, in some of the conversations that I've had previously with other companies that have halal products out in the market in the fund, in, in investment world, 
um, they've said they explored it and it wasn't possible um, because most of well, all of them, I think, were property backed. And it just wasn't tenable because of the you know, stamp duty and, and various other fees and charges that occur here in Australia and relating to property. And I got to thinking, well, if there, there has to be a, a number of different contract types or contract arrangements that are acceptable within Islamic finance that, because you know, people obviously have to obtain money from somewhere, be it borrow it or lend it, or you know, there's always the, the you know, deals being brokered and and negotiated uh, all around the world irrespective of faith but but some have to be under the umbrella of, of um, sharia and i thought well if those exist why could we not then package them up within a wholesale fund or a retail fund structure for that matter and, and bring them to market and that's exactly what we've done and w- when are you targeting to uh, be launched this fund so we'll have, well, hopefully we'll have it launched by, say, the end of January, start of February. Okay. So when, when we originally launched our first product, we launched it with with no seed investment in the product. And it is, it's like, you know, setting off on a journey in a car from a stationary start. It's obviously harder to get going. Uh, so we've got everything done and, and the framework built, all the documents built, um, everything's done except for that seed investment, which we're in the process of securing now. So once we've got that, the product will be up and running in about three weeks after. Okay. And uh, could you talk about the market itself? Maybe give us some some insight to it. I know that you'd mentioned this is the first one in the market. Um, yeah. Do you think there is a reason why it's the first one? Um, how challenging or how easy or how relevant is a Sukuk fund in the current market? Uh, that's a really good question. So the, why there isn't one in the market so far, I think it's because it is complicated. Uh, it has been complicated to build. So it's taken us 12 months to get this far. So um, the summary I gave before was a really nice, short, sharp, shiny, but there was a lot of work underneath to get the right types of contracts and the, and to find the right assets because within any portfolio that you build, you need to look at both the liquidity of the portfolio and also the duration of the assets. So um, given that these are you know, commercial finance type contracts, um, we need to make sure they have a real, quite short duration to make sure there's liquidity in the, in the product so people can have access to their money and it's lo- not locked in forever. And unfortunately, it won't be uh, immediately redeemable, so there will be some delay, similar to what you'd see in, say, a turn deposit in, in conventional banking, um, but it'll be far more liquid than that. So why does it not exist in Australia? Well, one, as I mentioned, it's quite complicated. Two, borrowing from uh, the research from Dr. Mahmoud Nathi, he, through University of South Australia, did an exhaustive study on the state of Islamic finance and financial literacy in Australia. And what was really telling is the types of assets or types of investments that Muslims typically like investing in or, or don't. And the I guess the levels of financial literacy and awareness, uh, the healthy scepticism that many Muslims have around investments and the desire and the need to have Sharia certified investments. Um, Muslims in Australia and I believe worldwide would typically rather have nothing if there was only haram available which is why a lot of money is still sitting in cash on the sidelines and not actually invested. Um, There is a a healthy scepticism when it comes to equity markets and share markets that are quite volatile. 
and property seems to be the the main focus for many Muslim investors. In fact, many investors more broadly as well. Uh, people really like that that tactile, tangible bricks and mortar. I can see it, I can feel it. Type investment. It is re- really illiquid, and they can be really expensive, especially here in Australia. So. Basically, most most investors would just keep their money sitting in a bank until such time as they can buy property outright or they can buy it as part of a collective or they could buy it with the by utilising a loan, be it a halal loan or a a more conventional loan, uh, which in some circles is acceptable for a home but not acceptable for um, for an investment property. So I don't think the, the maturity of that investor market in Australia is where it needs to be to have facilitated these type products at the moment now in our previous conversation i said how we would love to help bring to carful to australia this will be key to that from all my experience with insurance years gone by that claims pool will need to be invested somehow so it's at least keeping pace with inflation which is slowly eroding the value of money and uh, given there is no sukuk there's there can't be any to carful uh, if there was it wouldn't be successful well, what can you tell us about the takaful market? I mean, since last we spoke, I guess the biggest news from the Islamic finance industry in Australia is the first Islamic bank. Um, do you think that that's going to change things for your yeah, side? I sincerely hope so. And I, I've actually met with the CEO, Dean Gillespie, from Islamic Bank of Australia. He's a lovely guy and, and uh, his whole team are wonderful too. And they're so energetic and so passionate and driven. Uh, I love what they've done, and we actually we got together and shared similar war stories on on the trials and tribulations of starting up something that is halal and Islamic in a country that is you know only has a, a small number, uh, certainly a small percentage, but it's still a reasonable number, I guess, of, of Muslims here in Australia. Uh, I am buoyed by the fact that there is IBA here. Um, I sincerely hope they uh, get out of their restricted license and get a full banking license sooner rather than later. Um, they have had a huge amount of interest in opening up accounts once they have their restrictions lifted, which they would have to as a, as a new organisation. Obviously, these restrictions have to exist because the regulators need to make sure they can do what they promise they can do. We all have, I guess we all have a line vision. We all wish to see other products come up where there is no product available, especially when it comes to insurance. With Takaful, uh, in the presentations I've given at mosques and masjids, um, and given the the love of property investment, the amount of property that's owned by Australian Muslims that is not insured, because as I said before, if they're given the opportunity between conventional product or nothing, 10 times out of 10, they would choose nothing. Um, and Australia already has a huge underinsurance issue. Now, the, we're currently experiencing floods in Australia. We've often experienced fires and other natural disasters. So to have a significant valued asset not insured is a huge risk. Uh, and that's why myself and the partners we're working with uh, really hope to have to carful up and running in the next couple of months. And what kind of product are you um, looking at? So in our discussions, we've looked at the total addressable market. So you know, the, the total population of Australian Muslims and their the uh, geographical range and and you know, where they're more densely populated and started to identify, I guess, even to the point of applying personas to, to different groups, um, either by age or by um, demography or ge- ge- uh, geography. 
And I tried to identify all the different aspects of their lives and where insurance or TACAFA would be useful. So it's, it would be easy for us to say, okay, let's start with um, life insurance. And, and we could do that. But I think that would just be setting us up for failure because we'd actually need to have a really good understanding about who the customer is before we start going in the development phase. And we'd need to say, well, these are the, all the different types of Takafu we could bring to Australia. Of all these here, what's involved with doing each? And you know, there's many complexities. I'm sure you can appreciate the, the amount of regulatory involvement with something like this. Uh, and especially given what IPA is going through now with the restrictions and so on, um, this is not going to be a quick exercise. But if we can identify of that total addressable market where our best target market is and then start doing, uh, I guess, a bit of vox pop or, or doing some consumer research and asking the community, well, look, if this if this existed, would you would you buy it? Would you how would what would you want? What would you expect? And, and getting an understanding about what the consumer wants and needs, getting insights from community groups and and um, and other group leadership groups such as maybe Anik or Afik or you know um, some of the mosques and masjids as well. All of that will help us for, properly build out where it is we begin. We've got a fairly good idea where we're going to start now, but that's the approach we've had. We want to make sure that the first effort is replicatable across the different types. Um, but we also, what like RBA have done, they've gone out and said, this is what we're going to do, register your interest. And if people register their interest, then we know we're going to have customers from, from day one. Do you have a target for a launch? Do you think that's going to happen this year, 2023? I sincerely hope so, yeah. Uh, and okay. without giving away too much, there is... Um, we have a couple of different ways in which we could bring it to to life. Um, some are more difficult than others, but the way in which we plan on doing it should expedite the the introduction of it. Okay, I guess this will be a good way to wrap it up. Uh, when it comes to regulatory support, um, how is that for you for both your planned Sukukwant product and your planned Takaful product? What's the regulatory support like? Do you think it's there? Look, I, I do. I, I do think the regulatory support is there. Certainly in the political realm, our new uh, federal government, our new Labor government is supportive of faith-based products. In fact, there was even, uh, I believe that the possibility of this legislation getting passed is now slim, but the now Labor government introduced potential legislation to have a separate screen or test for faith-based investment products, which I think was a really big and bold step uh, and a very necessary step because, um, and I actually would like to see something similar put forward for ESG investments too, because if you, I, I see ESG as being a very ethical type approach to investment as I see um, yeah, you know, Islam and halal or Sharia certified or compliant investing. Um, and if you're taking away a number of instruments, then you should have some supplementary tests. So uh, I can certainly see that there is a lot more open-mindedness with this government as there was our previous government. Um, yeah, they probably wouldn't have even given it a second thought, the, the previous coalition government, whereas Labor seemed to be much more in tune with particularly minorities, um, of which... The Muslim population represents under 3% in Australia. Over 800,000 in number, so it's a decent-sized number, but by percentage terms, it's quite small. 
Great. Thank you so much for all that information. We certainly look forward to the new products from Haven Wealth. Thanks uh, for joining us in this episode. Thank you, Nisreen. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.